I think everything's so subjective. I can listen to an album or a song and think that's the greatest thing ever, and then someone else, it, who legitimately is is listening to the same song, can turn around and say, "I hate that. That's awful." Hello, listener. My name is V, the voice of Pod, and I am the host of Podcaster. Podcaster is a show where I ask podcast creators a number of random questions. Then they give spontaneous, open and honest answers about life and the podcast they have created. Hello, podcaster. Hello, V. Uh, What an honour. What an honour to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Please introduce yourself and your podcast to our listeners. My name is Ben Burrell and I host a few podcasts like seemingly everyone else in the world, um, but I'm going to mainly talk about a podcast called Bob Dylan Album by Album today. Thank you for joining us, Ben. How are you today? Uh, I'm all right. I'm fine today. Um, Didn't my two and a half year old woke me up at about quarter to four this morning saying, demanding I put her duvet back on her. (laughs) Um, And then I dropped her off at nursery and for the first time in months she cried and said she didn't want to go in so I don't want to say I'm at emotional breaking point but (laughs) could potentially happen who knows are you ready yeah I'm ready I promise to do my best great let's begin where did the idea behind your podcast come from um I think I know it's so cliched but I think every idea that I've made into something has come from being in the shower or cleaning my teeth I think it's really good to have those moments where you just kind of allow yourself to think and I think I was brushing my teeth one day and I'm a big Bob Dylan fan and I just thought wouldn't it be great to go through his back catalogue album by album and look at every single album not in order but in turn Um, and the reason why I think it's a nice idea is because he's produced some great albums but he's produced some absolute dross as well and the main motivation or the main idea behind it is to work out how how come the same guy in in the same situation in a studio can create something brilliant and something rubbish um so that was the main motivation behind it looking at at, at why why that sometimes happens um and also he's got such a wide kind of diverse back catalogue I thought it'd be interesting to explore someone's work that's so vast um so yeah the idea just basically came from wanting to to work all that out what do you hope people take away from listening to your podcast (laughs) I hope they take away uh, I hope they get a masterclass of over analysis with with uh, enough half baked ideas and enough uh crackpot theories you can make anything work <laughs> when talking about art <laughs> um there's a lot of that but also i hope people take away that that this man has produced an amazing body of work some good some bad and i hope that they find as much joy looking into someone's work as I do I think it's fascinating to study someone's entire back catalogue to see what they've done and and what motivated 
motivated them to do that at this particular time. Um, I'm quite into that, looking at looking at things as a whole in terms of people's creative output. What was the last thing you did for yourself? Uh, it's quite difficult. I, when I was... I realised when I was younger, you're pretty selfish when you're younger, aren't you? Um, which is no real revelation. But as I say, I've got a young daughter and from the moment she was born, you have less and less time for yourself and you do less and less things for yourself. But now we're slowly, me and my wife, starting to come out the other side where we now can do a bit more for ourselves. Um, so we do often of a weekend, like give each other half a day to do something or give each other a lion or whatever. Um, and on Saturday because it was record store day. Um, I went on my own into London and uh, bought a couple of uh, record store day records, um, which were great. One was, funny enough, was a Bob Dylan record um, and the other was a, was a guy called Dylan Fraser. So, yeah, the last thing I did for myself was to take a little bit of time for myself and go into London on a sweaty little Saturday and um, go and buy some brilliant records, which was nice. Are you superstitious? Hmm. I'm going to say no, but <laughs> in in moments of pressure and anxiety, I get superstitious. <laughs> like, for example, I've never been superstitious, but then as soon as England started to advance to the uh, later stages of Euro 2020, I started to wear the same clothes and watch it in the same room and stuff like that. <laughs> It's like when, you know, it's like the cliche of when people are in an aircraft that's plummeting towards the sea and they suddenly become religious. I'm like that with superstition. As soon as there's any pressure or anxiety, I'm like, well, <laughs> I must be superstitious now because I have some control. I think it's about getting control over the, over the unknown, isn't it? So, no, I'm not superstitious, but in moments of anxiety and pressure, I definitely, definitely am. <laughs> Fruit or veg? got to be fruit got to be fruit although yeah it's got to be fruit fruit i mean people get scoffy about fruit these days don't they oh too much sugar i love it yeah fruit for me what has been one of the most interesting things you've learned making your podcast good question um i think what it's taught me really is that Everything is subjective. I think I used to feel like everyone liked a good song or everyone likes a good movie because it's good, but that's not the case, is it? I think everything's so subjective. I can listen to an album or a song and think that's the greatest thing ever, and then someone else who legitimately is is listening to the same song can turn around and say, I hate that, that's awful. Um, and they're not doing it to be different to you it's just how they feel and I think everything is so subjective when it comes to anything apart from cold hard facts I mean music films everything is is just so based on opinion um even in terms of obviously the music I discuss in the podcast people have their opinions on that and, and they, they can wildly change and that fascinates me but even your thoughts on on what those songs mean. I can be sure that it means something or that that 
this lyric is talking about that or this song is about that and then someone else can have such a completely opposing view and that's kind of fascinating that we are all of the same race or whatever we are all humans but our opinions on one thing that is unchanged can be so wildly different um so yeah making that and talking to other Bob Dylan fans about these songs and these albums whilst making my podcast has really taught me that everything when it comes to arts is unbelievably subjective, which um, could potentially make my podcast a fool's errand and completely pointless. But <laughs> I think it's good to state an opinion to, uh, to get that debate flowing. Who did you look up to growing up? <sighs> good question. Um, I think I didn't really know it then, but then and also now, does it sound really cheesy to say my dad? Also, my mum was pretty heroic as well, but um, my dad was a fireman until he retired about 10 years ago, um, which is a pretty um, pretty heroic job, isn't it? Can't, don't get much more heroic than that, saving people from fires and getting cats down from trees. Um, so obviously he was really easy to look up to in my life. Um, but also because he made quite big decisions and wasn't really afraid to do what he thought was right. Um, I mean, he was a fireman, but he progressed quite quickly when we were younger to be a fire officer. And then when we were, me and my brother, when we were about five or six he moved us from London to um, the south coast and then we moved again to Somerset and then we moved again back to the south coast and it's all because my dad felt like there was a better job somewhere else or there was a better way of life somewhere else um, and he wasn't afraid to make those quite big decisions and it, it is a big decision when you're a when you're a kid and and um, when you are part of a family and you decide to move that family around um, so I kind of, whilst it, it proved a lot of heartache because I would be pulled out of school and put into a new school and have to make new friends, I kind of respected that decision and I've respected it even more as I've grown older because it's quite bold to do that. It's quite a hard decision to take. It's not an easy decision. Um, so, yeah, I think I look up to my dad for doing that and um, also because he was a fireman. What food could you not live without? Oh... How long have you got? We could just do the whole podcast on this. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of all the bad foods, all the carbs, pizza, pasta. I do, I'm pretty sure at this stage, I am 100% uh, addicted to sugar. I think I am sugar dependent at this stage. Um, so I'd probably have to say chocolate something like that because i don't know i've tried to curb it as as the older you get because when i don't know if you know when you get past 30 the old metabolism it just deserts you um but yeah i i treat myself with that every now and again um so yeah i'd probably have to say something lame like chocolate have you ever had a crush on a fictional character <laughs> Um, I'm sure there were some confusing feelings about Jessica Rabbit when I was younger. Um, not particularly. I don't tend to have crushes on fictional characters or famous people. 
I feel like I'm completely alone with this. I don't think I've ever really had a proper crush on a famous person. Is that weird? I think people have their famous... They have, like, their list, don't they? You know, where, like, oh, if I bump into them, my wife says it's fine or my husband says it's fine. I've never had that. I've never... I've never had a crush on a famous person or a fictional character, particularly. Um, Although if Jessica Rabbit wants to take me out for dinner, let's talk. Save money or splash the cash? Probably splash the cash. I mean... Yeah, splash the cash, I think. This is probably my privileged background speaking. (laughs) But you can always make more money, can't you? There's always time to make more money. So um, I'd say splash the cash. Capitalism can make you very happy. Just give it a go. If you could make another podcast, what subject would it be about? Uh, That's a good question. Um, well, as I mentioned, I do make other podcasts. I, I really, I'm, I'm really into narrative podcasts at the moment. I think there's something really exciting about putting headphones on and listening to a story be told with proper sound design. Um, I think we've had a couple of big breakthrough ones, haven't we? Um, there's been a couple of famous ones, but I don't. I think we've only scratched the surface with narrative podcasts. Um, and during lockdown, I wrote and um, put together a narrative podcast called From an Island, and I loved doing it. And I hired actors and um, wrote the script and everything, and did the sound design, learned how to do sound design. Um, so that was my my proper passion project, and I loved doing it. And I'd love to do more stuff like that because, um, as I say. I think there's really something exciting about hearing a story being told via the medium of audio because what I love about radio is that it's so, so direct. You are talking to one person. It's so intimate. And I think when you're watching a film in the cinema, it's amazing because you're watching this spectacle on the screen in front of you and you're watching amazing amazing visual effects and... It's a, fe- a, a festival for the eyes, a feast for the eyes. Um, but I think with, with audio, you can completely drop yourself into that scene because your headphones are, you know, submerging you into that world. Um, so I think that's really exciting. So if I was going to make another podcast, I'd want to do another narrative podcast and, um, and really focus on the sound design because, um, as I say, I think that's, that's an un... I don't know. I mean, it has been done, but it's. I, I feel like it could be done really, really well. And I'm not saying I'm the person to do it, but um, there are a couple of companies out there at the moment who are, are doing really good jobs of that. And um, I'm really excited to see where that goes. So yeah, a narrative podcast, I think, would be the next, the next big project for me. What song would you like played at your funeral? Oh... So many. Um, I think I'm going to select a Bob Dylan song. (laughs) Not too surprising. Um, And it's a song called Buckets of Rain. And it's the final song on the album Blood on the Tracks, which is his famous breakup record. And the reason why I'd pick that is because it's a sad song. And I do want people weeping at my funeral. 
I don't want all this nonsense, or it should be a celebration. No, 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 no. I want people weeping uncontrollably. I want everyone dressed in black. They should stay dressed in black for a week, at least. Um, I want proper Victorian tears. And this song is a sad song to go with that. But, crucially, it's a positive song underneath it all as well. And it's all about a song coming to the end of grief I guess um, it's a song that says that was sad and bad things happen in life but sometimes you just have to get on with it and I think it's a really nice message and it comes at the end of the Blood and the Tracks album as I say which is a, an album that's full of heartache and disappointment and the final song on it Blood on the Tracks really echoes all of that but moves you on to the next stage it's like um, it's like a good season finale it completes everything from the season and then pushes you to a new place um so yeah i'm using my funeral song essentially to uh to get my mourners to move on a little bit while still remaining very very sad and that is crucial they must be sad what are you most grateful for i think i'm sure everyone must feel this after the year and a bit we've just had but i think if you come out of this process and you don't think, bloody, I've got it easy, <laughs> then, I don't know, it, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, I think I'm really grateful for the fact that actually I've got a pretty good life. Like I've got a good family and a good job. And like obviously you have worked hard at those things, but you should remember to be grateful for them too because... Again, I know it sounds like a cliche, but those song, th- those things can go so quickly. Um, they can disappear overnight in some cases, as we've seen in the last year or so. I mean, you know, in, in the last year, I could have easily lost someone close to me in this pandemic, and thankfully I haven't. And I could have easily lost my job, and thankfully I didn't. So I think you have to come out of, of this process and be grateful for the things that you already have and, and the, the things that you don't think about day to day, like your your life and your family and, and your job and be thankful for them. Because as we've seen, those things can easily disappear. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry it's a bit of a boring answer, but my family and job, we've got to be grateful for those things. If you were offered the chance to live on Mars, would you take it? I think so, yeah. I think... I mean, what's the situation up there? What are we talking? Are there good coffee shops? Like, what? If it's me on my own, no thanks. Um, Although, could probably get some sleep. Um, I think if there was a, yeah, if it was a proper colony up there, sign me up. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to do that? You've you've got to want to do that. Um, Yes, I definitely, definitely, definitely would go and live on Mars. I'd probably be, it'd be heart, heart-aching to say goodbye to your friends and family, but, you know, are they as entertaining as a new planet? Probably not. Is there ever a good reason to lie? <laughs> yeah, of course there is. Yeah. Um, I think... And this is, like, this is really funny. You, I... I'm, I became a parent two and a half years ago 
and you do have to teach a human morals. And then it does, when you are doing that, it is like a mirror back onto yourself because you're like, oh, yeah, I should probably be a bit more like that. I should probably not do that or I should do more of this. Um, And our daughter Agnes is just getting to the stage where she doesn't lie. She doesn't understand lies completely, I don't think. But she will say, like, Dada cleaned my teeth this morning to my wife when I haven't. So she kind of gets the idea of, oh, I can deceive them. Um, so that's a thing we're working out at the moment. But I do feel like I have to explain to her at some point, it is okay to tell like a white lie to to not hurt someone's feelings. Um, so I think there is sometimes a good reason to lie. Sometimes it can just get you through a situation or help out a little bit. Um, but, you know... The big ones, maybe not. Every big lie I've told in my life has resulted into into some awfulness. <laughs> so, mainly just trying to impress potential girlfriends um, and it's never, ever worked out. Is there anything you've always wanted to learn but you thought is too difficult? Oh, so much. I feel like there's a lot of answers to this I find learning quite frustrating because um, I'm dyslexic and I find retaining information difficult and that's not necessarily a trait of of dyslexic people but I mean my handwriting and spelling is pretty terrible too Um, but I do find it difficult to learn stuff and I do find it frustrating because I can't often get to like the stage where I completely get it straight away. It takes a little bit of repetition. Um, so stuff like languages I find really difficult to learn. I would love to have been able to speak Italian. I'd love to have lived in Italy and, and learned to speak Italian for a couple of years or whatever. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe a foreign language. Um, well, it's quite a difficult question because there's so, so much. Even just like stuff that you you wanted to learn in school like really get a hold on maths and science and really understand that and properly like be able to use it in a practical sense because pretty much my school experience and I include learning foreign languages in this was like we'll get you to where you need to be to pass this to get you into college which is fine. At the time, you're like, great, yeah, I just want to go to college. And I just want to go to university because I've heard that you spend three years messing around going out. I, that's what I want. Um, but in actual fact, looking back, you kind of wanted to get the knowledge. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. I, I feel there's so much that I've, that I've always wanted to learn, um, but I have not got to the place I needed to be with it um, because maybe I didn't really sees that opportunity in school um so yeah the list is is kind of endless for that question oasis or blur well that's the question i ask myself on a daily basis when i come into work um i work for absolute radio and we are a music station that plays guitar music it's the place where real music matters um still not entirely sure what that means um and we play a lot of Oasis and a lot of Blur. 
So it's a question that's often at the forefront of my mind, despite the fact it's now 25 years old. <laughs> um, I'm going to plump for Oasis. And I think people get snooty about Oasis. And I always see, we always get texts and tweets about this at work whenever we talk about Oasis versus Blur. People say, you get you get one camp of, gotta be Oasis, mate, best band in the universe. And then you get the other camp of people that, are, that always say like, oh, Oasis actually never quite did it for me. They just borrowed from T-Rex all the time and copied the Beatles. It's got to be Blur. And I think you have two very distinct camps. Um, so, but I'm in the Oasis camp, I think, um, because I grew up on their music. And I always feel like that, the songs you fall in love with at 13, 14 or 15 are the songs that stay with you just because you fell in love with them when you were at that age and, and everything was happening. Um, so I plump for Oasis because they're so they're so established in my childhood that there's so many key moments that I've had their songs soundtrack them. Like, for example, Don't It Back in Anger when I was doing my GCSEs, I listened to that song and that What's the Story Morning Glory album a lot. Um, then when I... Um, went to college for the first time I went to a completely new college and didn't know anyone there um and they released an album called Don't Believe the Truth that year and I obsessively listened to that album because basically didn't know anyone um so yeah they've been with me kind of every step of, of the way in my life so I'm gonna probably plump for Oasis even though Blur are a, technically a brilliant band and have had some brilliant songs too when did you last feel scared about two seconds before you said, welcome to the podcast, Ben. <laughs> um, that's not proper scared, though, is it? When was the last time I felt really scared? Uh, there's a difference between feeling anxious and scared, isn't there? Uh, was I scared before the Euro 2020 final? Probably not. I think the last time I was properly scared... And again, probably going to keep bringing this back to my daughter. But the last time I can remember being really scared was when we brought our daughter home for the first time. And even though, you know, people are pregnant for a long time and you know this baby's coming. <laughs> even though that lead up to the actual birth was pretty long, it felt never ending. People are right when they say when you get home, and you're there with the baby and you're out of the hospital. I can't believe that anyone doesn't feel sheer terror. How can you not? And I remember it so vividly because my mum and dad came over to cook for us and like clean up the house. And my wife went to bed and I was there with Agnes, our daughter. And then my mum and dad left. I remember saying goodbye to them and I felt about six years old because they were like right see you later and I was like well, I don't want you to go <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and um yeah I went back into the front room with my daughter Agnes and she was about she must have been like two days old at this point and I just remember feeling absolutely terrified really properly scared um had a little cry and then sort of got it together um but yeah I remember just sheer fear in going from my stomach up to my throat <laughs> turns out though parenthood isn't that bad I mean you get through the sleepless nights it's okay but yeah I think that was the last time I felt really really scared and that was what two and a half years ago that's not too bad is it 
There's been lots of anxiety between now and then, though. <laughs> what is the best part of making your podcast? Um, legitimately being able to listen to music that I like for work purposes. <laughs> and I know, and believe me, podcasting isn't all about money. And money shouldn't be a massive motivator in your work, apart from for it to help you to live. I mean, um, it should get you to work and it should be a reason for you to work, but it shouldn't be the the, the only motivator, I don't think. Um, but in the last six months or so, the podcast has become profitable and it's nice that people like you and the stuff you've made enough to want to give you money for it. Um, so I guess the best part obviously is making it and being able to listen to these songs and albums and make things about them. But also it's nice that people enjoy it enough to reward you for it. And that doesn't have to just be the money thing. I mean, I still do get a kick when I get an email and someone says, oh, I really like that, or I've gone and listened to that album again, or I didn't even know that that was a thing for this song, and I'm it's, it's changed the way I listen to it. And I think being able to, to bring people something that they like and that they want to reward you for is, is a really nice feeling. And um, I guess that's kind of, apart from the money, that's kind of the only reason you go to work, isn't it? To, to put something out there that people like and that they they enjoy yeah so I guess um I guess apart from being paid for it that's the only thing you can look for in work so probably the best part of making the podcast is is just putting something out there that people like and actually do you know what the, the thing that crystallizes it and and we get this sometimes where I work as well for the radio station you'll get a text or an email that says like you've become part of my daily routine and when it doesn't happen then my daily routine is is out of whack and I and it affects me um I think if we're the only thing getting you through that's not good news <laughs> but there is something to be said of uh, about someone enjoying the thing you make so much that it's part of their daily routine and that it's a big part of their daily routine and and as I say the fact that they reward you for it is 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 amazing that's the best part of of the podcast i think why is bob dylan so influential <sighs> i mean i know my my answers have been a bit rambly so far but prepare yourself for a proper ramble um i think he's one of the few artists that has done so much and there's been so much quality in there and the way he sustained his career is nuts I mean he released his albums at the start of the 60s and he released an album last year and every juncture between the start of the 60s and last year he's been doing stuff and doing stuff differently and I think the the big misconception about Bob Dylan is that he just plays an acoustic guitar and sings a song but all throughout his career we've seen him bringing new sounds to the table and new ideas and I think that's often underestimated when it comes to him 
So I think not only has he has he had a long career full of quality, but he's always, always challenged himself to do something different. And most of the time, it's opposed to what his fans or what the critics want to do. But he's done it because he felt like it was the thing he wanted to do or it was the thing he had to do. And we can get quite pretentious and talk about, you know, what it means to be a great artist and how how artistic integrity is important. And it is. But I think with him, he takes that and runs with it. And, you know, if he wants to do a three-album run where one of those albums is a triple album of Frank Sinatra covers, he'll do it. Why not? And if he wants to go from being this folk hero that everyone loves to them becoming a rock star, which is basically like, I don't know, a, a rock star, like Alex Turner, for example, now becoming a, a manufactured pop star. It's basically the same as that. And and he did that because he felt like it was the thing he wanted to do. And I think the reason why he's so influential is because every step of the way, he's done his own thing and never listened to anyone around him. I I always say he was like the the, the first punk rock star because he just has always done it his way and um, we're still seeing that even today I mean he plays all these gigs every year apart from last year and just does whatever the hell he wants to do on on stage for two hours which you know sometimes makes for a rubbish live show but (laughs) I quite like because he's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do Um, so yeah my, my answer is that he's had a long sustained career full of quality and every step of the way He's kept his artistic integrity intact. That's all the questions completed. How did you find the experience? Good. I always come away from these things thinking, oh, he could have answered that better. Um, But if I finish it and I haven't made a complete and utter fool of myself, then I call that a win. So fingers crossed that has happened today. Who can be sure? Thank you again, Ben, for being a guest on Podcaster. It was nice to meet you. It was lovely to meet you, V. And um, just before I go, you know that question about fancying a fictional character? I think over the last 20 minutes or so, we've had a good chat. I feel like there's a blossoming romance. Let me know your thoughts. Don't answer now. Just let me know your thoughts in the future. Drop me an email. We'll talk later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcaster. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcasterPod. This podcast was brought to you by the Chancer Collective. Take care and until next time, goodbye.